There we go. We are back again for another fantastic episode on a beautiful day in England of uh, the Beautiful Mind Game podcast and in Italy where Millie is at the moment as well. So Millie, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today, all the way from Turin or Torino in Italy today. How are you, Millie? Yeah, I'm brilliant, Hams, of course. I mean, Turin or Torino, however you want to call it. Yeah, it's been a great day and I've been eating a lot of Good food. Um, I won't tell you what kind of food because I have to be professional, but yeah, no, we're great. And we're back again for another brilliant episode with another brilliant person. Yeah, before you come back from Turin, I need that Juventus shirt as well. If you get me the one with Vlahovic on the back, that would be that would be a very nice souvenir for me to receive. You know no. what? I'll get you, I'll get you an even better one. I'll get you a Torino shirt. Ah, oh, no, a Torino shirt. As long as Belotti's on the shirt, it's not too bad as well. But no... Um, <laughs> Today we do have a really good guest. You're right, you're right, Millie. It's not really someone football related who we've had recently. It's actually someone from the boxing world as well. And we've had the opportunity, fortunately, to learn about um, nutrition. We've learned about dieting. We've learned about personal development and strength and core conditioning, uh, which has been fantastic. But this guest is someone who we've been looking forward to hearing from from quite a while because it's quite extraordinary when you're an actual boxer and you have a side job or considered a side job as a teacher. So before we actually get getting gassed over it, I just need to introduce our guest for today, Ricky Reeves. Ricky Reeves, thank you very much for joining the podcast today. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Um, excited. I think this is only the second like, podcast sort of chat I've done, so yeah, I'm really excited for it. Thank you. The first, the first time we've had a podcast guest who said I'm really, really excited for it, and actually looks really, really excited for it. So it, it goes to show that we're not, we're not wasting their time today. But no, thank you very much for joining us, Ricky. It's nice to have you on, and um, Millie as well. It's, it's really great to have both of you on today because it's, it's one of those really special times when we get to learn from yourself how working in dual, uh, working a dual career um, works for you and benefits you. Because for someone who is in a dual career, and Millie herself who's in a dual career. We're all kind of learning different ways of developing ourselves. But um, just for our listeners who don't actually know much about you, Ricky, could you just summarise like yourself up in like 30 seconds, like what you do and how you go about it, really? Because it's very fascinating to me personally. Yeah, yeah. So day by day, um, I work as a head of year at a secondary school. Uh, I'm based in Sheffield. The school's called Parkwood Academy. Um, so I'm the... There's two of us, so I'm the progress manager. So basically, there's a head of year, and then I'm like, I'm like the deputy head of year for year 10. Um, and then alongside that, I'm a professional boxer as well, um, cruiserweight. I've currently just fought on the Boxer Series um, tournament on Sky Sports, which was really good. Um, so, yeah, they're the two that I'm juggling at the minute. I mean, Millie, in terms of, like, dual careers, teaching, being a, he- being a deputy head of year and being a professional boxer – it doesn't really get much difficult than that as well. And we were saying off air before, Ricky, how the hell do you manage that on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis? Because you're teaching kids and looking after kids and then looking after yourself and your professional career as a boxer. That's incredible. And it's, it's really, really fascinating to know how you can actually juggle both of, both of those together as well. So how does that kind of work for you in terms of managing your time, managing your family time, but also managing both of your careers as well, Ricky? Yeah, um... <clears throat> So I'm sort of in a routine with it all now. Um, so my job before was I worked, uh, I was a residential support worker, it's called. So I worked in a, a secure unit, a children's care home for like um, children that are too young to go to prison, that are at risk for themselves. So it was like really, really like hands-on, really full-on. Um, 
but the hours were really, really like demanding. Um, and at that time, I was an amateur boxer, thinking about turning pro. And I said, you know, with this job, it would work. Um, originally, I started as behaviour at the school and then got promoted and whatever. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm in a routine with it now. So like in the morning, I'll get up, go training. So around, I'm at the gym for seven, if I'm in camp, I'm at the gym for 7am, shower, straight off to work. So my, the school is not too far away from the gym. Drive straight to work, um, do deal with what I deal with, um, drive back, train again. And then I drive home and then obviously I've got two children of my own as well. Um, so then I have time with them, sort them for bed, get rest myself, have some time with my partner, do it all over again. I mean, as days go, you've got like a proper jam-packed day in terms of how you have to manage not just your expectations of what you expect from yourself as a boxer and as a teacher, but your family's expectations as well, which is quite selfless in a way, I would say, um, going forward. And uh, Millie, I just wanted to know from your point of view as well, because we were talking again off air about how you actually switch between like your mental side of things from boxing to teaching to fatherhood. So Millie, did you want to kind of go along um, what you were trying to think, what you were thinking of um, just before air as well? Yeah, I mean, Ricky, I was going to ask you first thing. How do you find time to eat? What do you eat and where, where do you find the time? Um, <laughs> you cook for you as well. Do you have to cook as well? Yeah, so I'm... Oh, wow. Effort the house. I, like, I enjoy cooking. Um, I'm a big foodie myself. Um, so I do enjoy cooking. I don't mind it. Um, again, I've sort of adapted it all around, like, my time and with what, like, with how my day works now. So... Um, the timings and what I'm eating and stuff. Obviously, depending, I'm not in camp at the minute, so it's all right. I'm, I eat a bit of rubbish now and then, but I still stay on top of it. But when I'm in camp, it works really well. So, like, for Miller, so I'll eat um, in the morning, I'll eat a bit of fruit if I'm training, and then I'll go to training. When I get to work, I'll usually have porridge or something like that. Um, and then the school provide, like, chicken and pasta and stuff, so that'll be my lunch, go and train. So before I train, I'll sometimes have like um, either a flapjack or, you know, like the energy um, gels or something like that. Ooh, I've and never I'll had see- one of them before. Do you have them, okay. Millie, as well, the energy gels? Yeah, we have them when we play. Yeah. We, we have them before the game and even during the game as well. As well, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll have that and then I'll train. And I'll have a protein shake usually. Drive home. Um, sometimes my partner will cook or I'll cook and then it's usually like a pretty big meal so that'd be like chicken and pasta, spaghetti bolognese and salmon, something like that. And then bed. So yeah, we've again in a bit of a routine with it. Yeah, it's brilliant. Do you feel like, I don't know, do you feel like when you're in camp, for example, you have to eat more? Do you feel like it's difficult to eat more or do you feel like you're all right with it because of the routine? No, I find I'm find it all right. Do you know I struggle more when I'm not in camp at the minute like now. So, <clears throat> excuse me, when I'm in camp, I know like what I'm eating and when, um, that kind of stuff. But now, like my training's a bit all over the place. Um, not all over the place, but you know it's not as strict or as scheduled. Um, and I'll sometimes. Do you know what the biggest one for me is? It's drinking water. That's mm-hmm. where. When we're in camp, we have to drink around, I think it's four to five litres a, a day, he'll try and say. So then when it comes to like the weight cut and stuff, we'll drop it down like by a litre or a litre or whatever. But when I'm not in camp, I don't drink enough. 
that's the big right. one for me. Um, or I'll eat a lot of junk food. Do you notice the difference in, in your training when you don't drink enough water? Because for someone who isn't a professional athlete like Millie or yourself, Ricky, what is the big kind of difference in training when you don't drink enough water um, from your point of view? And Millie, you can answer that as well afterwards. Yeah, I've, I've always found it. So especially if I've had a tough day at work, um, usually the day's like really full on and busy. Not necessarily like just misbehave, but it's always like, so I've got parental meetings I'll have to do then I'm on the computer, then I'll have to deal with students. So it's just con. So you do sometimes forget, and a lot of the teachers, um, they, they will ask me, you know, what, what can I do to feel better? And, stuff? and I've, I always tell them, drink plenty of fluid. You, and you'll find if you don't drink enough fluids, you get the worst headache and you feel, like, dehydrated. And So sometimes when I've gone to the gym, my head's pounding and you just don't feel up to speed, you don't feel 100%. Um, rather than when you are that fully hydrated I think it's the same for us as well you know when we play football but I think for footballers I'm pretty sure a lot of us are dehydrated most of the time because we don't drink enough and yeah during the games we do during the matches we do during training we we drink water but I guess it's not enough and I definitely feel it more obviously on a hot day compared to a cold day but I think for sure, I also feel it when I do drink enough, I feel better. I feel more energy, really. Like, I just feel, it's hard to describe, but I just feel, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. do you know what I mean? It's difficult yeah. to describe, but you can yeah. feel it when, when you do drink enough. You're more That's happy, basically. Hard, yeah. Um, I, I, it's like you just said, then, it's a tough way to explain it, but you just feel like you've, you're more full of beans, you've got a bit more about you mm-hmm. when you I seem to think that anyway. Top tip for anyone listening, just drink more water and plenty of fluids uh, going forward as well. Nicely done there, Ricky and Millie. Um, But Ricky, I kind of wanted to ask you a bit more, and this is something that Millie and I were talking about in terms of how do you personally, from your boxing brain, from your boxing side of things, how do you look to strive for excellence whilst trying to actually enjoy every kind of day, like enjoying it with your family, enjoying it when you're at school, but also enjoying your boxing as well. Because again, recently we've seen you on Sky Sports doing really well in, in that tournament that we saw as well, which is fantastic to see. Um, but and how do you kind of get to enjoy yourself whilst, again, being surrounded by so many different people on a daily basis as well? And how does that work for you personally? Yeah, well, for me, I feel like the boxing side of things, it's something that I really enjoy anyway. So I don't see it as a chore or something that I, struggle to motivate myself to do even um, training right even training love it I love it honestly like I did um, an interview around the week where I was in the tournament and somebody said to me you know what would you do if you was if you had no boxing if you were if you were given a free day you know to do whatever you want what would you do and how would you spend it thinking I'd come up with something like really exciting I said I'd be bored I said honestly god I would not know what to do with myself so like I know when I'm at home, I've got my children and we'll, we're all like, today we've been ice skating. I'm always doing something with them if we're on mm. like our term at the minute. Um, when we're not and they're not here, I know I, I, I love my job as well. That keeps me going. Um, the people around me, the staff, um, I've been friends with them. So before, when was it now? 2015, I worked at the school previously, then left. And then I went back again. So there's some people that I've, been, I've known there for years now. And they're really good friends. That helps. Um, I've got a really good relationship with a lot of the students. You know, they 
especially now they've seen me on the TV and stuff. They knew I boxed, but that's massive for them. They've yeah, they behave me. a lot more as well now, seeing you box and getting <laughs> oh, you to the final as well. Um, but they love all that. Um, and then, the, like I said, the boxing side of thing, it, it's something that I really enjoy. And I've always been like a sporty person. I mean, even before my boxing career as such, um, everybody from Sheffield or my friends and stuff, they'll all know me that I used to sprint. I was a sprinter and that's what my passion was. I always wanted to be a sprinter. Um, what length was it? 100, 200, 400? Yeah, 100 and 200. Ooh. So I always wanted to do that and my aim was to be a GP sprinter. Mm. Uh, obviously, I, there was a lot of injuries and whatever else that didn't happen. But um, so, yeah, I always seem to think like I'm always motivated. I'm always in a positive mindset. Do you know what I mean? Um, and it it affects me more when I know I'm not training. If I get a text, Ryan, they'll say, oh, training's off today. That affects me more. Um than doing it all together. I know it does sound busy and it is at times, but I think a busy mind's a happy mind for me. I would definitely agree with that. I would 100% agree with that because like yourself, I am a dual career athlete as well. And I have had the experience of both being solely professional football and also a dual career athlete. So when yeah. I was professional last year and the year before in Italy, during the day, I didn't really have much to do. And I was thinking, what can I do? What, like, give me something to do. And then I got to training, but there was nothing for me to do. And now I've come back home, it's busy. It's a lot of work, but <clears throat> somehow I enjoy it better. I have more kind of purpose, I guess. I wanted to ask you, do you think it's important for you to have both of them? How important do you think it is to have both teaching and boxing together? Yeah. Um, it's been really important for me. Like I said, it's something that I enjoy doing and I love. So it's two things that I'm enjoying that I'm loving as combined. Um, I feel like it is important for the fact that you just said then it's keeping yourself busy, isn't it? It's um, keeping yourself positive. Um, I, so one of my friends at the gym, he was a full-time professional like yourself, like you just said then, um, a few years back. And then he got injured and whatever, but he's back on the road Um to fighting again now and he said because I said you know I'd love to be a full-time professional obviously that's what the aim would be <clears throat> and he said Ricky will struggle um, like you've just said there he says there's days where you'll train in the morning you'll go home your kids will be at school partners at work and you'll and you'll, everyone else all your friends and stuff are at work like most people do a normal nine to five mm-hmm. and, and it's finding something to keep yourself busy and he said he got to a point where he, he really struggled with it. You know, like he got to a point where it got almost anxious around people because he was constantly on his own. Um, mm-hmm. I never really thought about that side of it. Yeah. Uh, so that was interesting to hear. But yeah, I definitely say it's important for me at the minute. Yeah. I think for me as well, I kind of, when I was professional, I kind of thought about football too much. And now yeah. my other job gives me a little bit of leeway. It gives me a little bit of time away from football where I don't think of it. And then when I do go to training, I can fully focus on the training. Is it the same for yourself? Yeah, yeah a bit of switch. You can switch off almost. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that, yeah. You can almost... Like... Sorry, go on. No, you go, you go. No, I was just going to agree with them and just say you can almost switch off from it. And then it's something to look forward to. If yeah. you have a... If I've had a stressful day at work, I know that I can 
take it out or go boxing and I'm going to enjoy it and then I give you give it your all, don't you? Yeah, I was going to go a little bit on the other side now. How do you kind of make that switch? So obviously what I do is personal training and then I go to football. So it's quite, yeah. it's a little bit soft to transition from one to the other. But of course you're teaching and then you go and you, you're boxing all of a sudden. How do you kind of make that switch? Um, well, so what I'll do on a day-to-day basis is like, um, so I don't really teach. I do the more pastoral side of things. So I do um, the attendance, the behaviour. So, for example, if a student's not wanting to come to school because they're getting bullied, why is that? Who is it? I'll get the parents and do the meetings. Um, if a kid's misbehaving, we put them on report. I'll do all that kind of stuff. Um, and like I've said, it can get really full on. There's days where you feel like you're blinking it's ended there because you've done that much. Um, and I find it does help. I, I seem to go to it really easily. You know, the switch from that to boxing. And it's not that it's like I'm a violent person or anything, but it's almost a stress, rel- stress relief. Um, you know, you can take it out on your bag and you get all your frustrations out. And and I know, and I've said this to a few people and they say, oh, you should get really angry. And, stuff. and it's not really that, it's just, people have said anti-boxing is like a stress relief as well and people do it obviously not just to be professional just to do it to keep fit and there's um to feel good and whatever so it does help um in that way I think yeah I can agree with that as well because again a couple years ago I started boxing to help with my uh not mood swings but again just to help me relieve stress and relieve tension as well from (laughs) working a proper nine to five type job, being like looking at a screen for eight hours, which at the time I thought was what I wanted to do in my career, but I'd still be going back home from work and then going into boxing six until eight o'clock, three times a week. And I absolutely adored it. I loved it. And getting back into it this summer, which will be really good fun for me because I haven't been since like post pandemic as well. I did yeah. one little white collar fight as well, Ricky. So I'm one and oh as a boxer. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I was like, I won't fight ever again. I won't fight ever again. I'll just happily take the one and the undefeated boxer right here. <laughs> oh, that's it. That's it. Yeah, um, that's, that's literally it. But no, I I agree with what you were saying just there, Ricky. In terms of you're actually there to kind of develop yourself, but also help yourself in a way because you're helping yourself not getting angry at, for example, other staff members or family or friends that you're seeing as well. Because that's what exercise does, and it's. For a lot of people, it's just, again, a social aspect in terms of going to a gym and socialising and being um, being around friends. But when you're boxing, when you're in your element as well, from what I've experienced, and you could probably agree or disagree, it's the fact that, you know, for a fact, once you're boxing or once you're rather doing it in the morning or the evening, you're done being in a certain mood for the rest of the day or maybe a day or two because you've got rid of that angst, that anxiety or that um that just that, that niggling feeling in your head as well in terms of oh no this this really annoyed me at work today I wasn't really happy with what happened here but you move on from it because you've taken your frustration out boxing punching on the bag doing the pads whatever you need to do as well and that's something that's really helped for me and in terms of exercise as well I've not really found anything in terms of something that actually replaces that sense of oh I finally got rid of that it's off my chest it's off my shoulders um, but would you kind of have to would you say that's something similar to you Ricky as well 100% everything you just said then I completely agree with I mean um, these staff members where you can tell they've had like a rough day then they'll they don't do the exercise or they don't do anything they'll take uh, the baggage home basically and they'll take it home with them and then they'll bring it to work the next day um, 
not hold grudges, but you, do you know what I mean? Like the same students that have annoyed him the day before, they'll carry it over. Um, and again, they are professionals, you know what I mean? But everyone's human and that's what you're going to do. Where I feel like when you do go to a gym, it's like that social aspect. Like, so all of us, uh, I train with that. There's a few pros and then there's a lot, quite a lot of amateurs in the class that I do. Um, the coaches that I'm with, we're all like a, obviously it's cliche in it, like a family, but we are, we are like a really small set team. Um, like the banter and the laugh and all the jokes and stuff. When you, As soon as we get in there, it seems to all just flow away and you forget about it. Even if it's for like an hour and a half, two hours that we're in there, it's gone. You're not thinking about work. You're not thinking about the stresses you've had. You're not thinking about anything like that. Um, and even when you come home, like you might think about it on your way home and stuff, but then by the time you get home, you forgot about most of it anyway. And you're not taking it back to, it's not baggage that you've got there. Um, so it helps massively. Because this is where I wanted to bring Millie in again, um, just in terms of basically exercising and how it helps with your sleep patterns as well, in terms of how important it is to get the right amount of sleep after exercising and how it helps with your recovery as well. Because Millie, again, from a personal trainer and a football background as well, exercise you're basically doing that every other time you, you're 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 basically working right Millie in terms of you're actually exercising you're helping other people exercise as well and just like mm-hmm. with Ricky who's exercising in the mornings and in the evenings when he's in camp he's always keeping himself occupied and busy but how important is that again just first for yourself Millie and Ricky you can answer this as well how important is it in getting the right amount of sleep and not always having to wake up at the crack of dawn to exercise to go for a run um, just in terms of your mood and in terms of how you can actually help develop yourself going forward as well. Millie. What, what would you have to say about that? For me, sleep is one of the most important things. 100% one of the most important things. If I don't sleep more than eight hours, I would say that's it. I can really feel it. I feel like, yeah, I am one of those people that do need to have the right amount of sleep to perform well. It's, it's strange because sometimes... For example, when we go to um, an away game and we stay in a hotel, I can't sleep in a hotel. Like I really struggle to sleep in a different place. And I get maybe five, six hours sleep and I can really feel it on the pitch. However, I don't think it affects my performance massively. Um, But compared to the home games, I think it has a big impact if that makes sense the way I perform when I'm at home when I've slept properly when I've had the right amount of sleep and preparation is different to how I sleep on an on an away game in a hotel and yeah there's a lot of different like um opinions about the amount of sleep and a lot of people have different um sleeping patterns and how much they need to sleep but for me personally I need a lot of sleep I don't know if you're the same Ricky massively um I've got um, two children. I've got a five-year-old boy and my daughter's one. She's two on Saturday. The, the days where I've trained where she's either been ill or just had a terrible night's sleep and she's been up at... So she goes to bed at like six o'clock but there's, and usually sleeps through. Um, but there's days where she's woke up every two, three hours and we've got to stay in there. She's screaming and crying and then we've got to stay in there for an hour, half an hour. It, it happened in the camp, actually, for the boxer tournament. There was a few nights where, honest to God, I'd get to the gym and I'd look like a zombie. Ryan would be like, what's happened? I'd be like, Mabel's just kept me awake all night. And the amount 
like the the effect it has is massive. Like it's hard to explain, but the train that you just do not feel a hundred percent at all. Um, you just feel fatigued. Um, like I said, there was fatigue. There was um, I don't know, no sharpness there. Everything just felt behind. Everything felt slow. Everything's slower, isn't it? Yeah. Like you just can't react properly or anything. Yeah, there's just you just feel behind and everything. So it's like when we're doing combinations on pads, you, like you'll mess up the combinations, and it's just yeah, it's just not mm-hmm. good. When that happens, when you do have a bad night's sleep, do you do anything in the day to kind of help you through the day? Not, I'm trying to think. I, I, there's not, nothing, if you do know anything, please let me know. There's nothing I can really think of. Obviously, everyone says coffee and I'm, I'm not one for like Red Bulls or anything, me. I don't feel mm-hmm. like they, I, that person, I just don't, they don't really do anything for me. You have to so you, compensate on like your eating. Would that help? Like in having terms of like more protein or more carbs to give you energy? Would uh, that help or would that detriment your your weight in a way? Ricky? Uh, well, again, yeah, it's, it depends on weight and where you are in camp. If it's the, like the last couple of weeks, um, you can't afford to smash loads of food because then obviously weight will fly up. Yeah. Um, again, it's, it comes down to the water thing, trying to stay hydrated. Dehydrated, that doesn't help. That makes you feel more tired. Um, I do try and eat like the carb up a little bit, but again, like I said, it's just depending on where you're at and stage where you're in camp, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I guess you don't have much time for a little nap, do you? I'm sure they said something like 20 minutes is really beneficial for you, but I guess you don't have time for that. That's what I mean. If if we're in half term right now, like we are, we did it yesterday, so I, me and my children will have a nap for half an hour or an hour or whatever. Obviously, mm-hmm. at work, there's nothing you can do. You've just got to sort of soldier through it. Um, just get by. And just to, usually I tell kids just to, they can, they can tell when I'm tired. I say, look, I've had a rough night, guys. Please, let's just calm it down. And they're usually all right. But Yeah. How are your kids with you? Are they, are they supportive of you? Like, how are oh. they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Both. Let's say both. My children absolutely love it. So my daughter's one, she doesn't really understand it. But my son, he's coming boxing with me tomorrow morning, actually. He loves it. He wants wow. to get it when he's older and all that. Um, they both stayed up to watch me fight, which is really nice. You know what I mean? I said, if I can take anything from my career, I can at least say I've done that and they've seen that. And it's memories like that, which is why I want to do it. Um, the kids at the school, so they're 14 and 15 at the minute. Again, love it. Um, I've got two Instagram accounts. So I've got one, like an open boxing account, and then I've got like a private one for friends and family, whatever. So a lot of the children all follow my account and they're always commenting on Sky Sports stuff like Mr. Reeves is our inspiration. And, and it is really nice to hear it. Like even the parents after the tournament were ringing me and stuff, you know, saying how well they did. And the, mm-hmm. I had like the son or daughter to start boxing or little things like mm-hmm. massive. That's massive for me. Yeah, because this is a part of the podcast where we talk all about boxing now, Ricky. So literally, you've led us right into into this in a really good segue as well. So how did that tournament really go for yourself? Obviously, it was a boxer tournament that was on Sky Sports a couple uh, weeks ago as well. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, you finished as a finalist, wasn't it? Yeah, the, yeah. Yeah. And there was like eight boxers, I think, um, all competing or something as well. So it was a really 
uh, intense tournament that was happening as well. But how did you come across that tournament? How did you prepare for that tournament? And realistically speaking, what did you learn the most from yourself in that tournament as well, Ricky? Yeah, yeah. Um, so one of the main things that was said when I turned professional, obviously I'm 31 now, so it is late to start boxing. I said to Ryan, if any big opportunities turn up, so if it's a boxer tournament, if it's a big fight on either Sky, Matchroom, BT, whatever, put my name forward straight away, I'll take it. So this originally was meant to be in Sheffield. Um, so I was a bit gutted that it got moved, but they said, look, I think you're actually in this. He, he sent a text to somebody, you know, and then he rung me and said, look, we've got on it. And it was massive. Um, the format was really tough. It was like um, three, three minute rounds. So it was back to sort of like amateur days where it's not scrappy, but it's just really fast paced. You can't afford to set yourself. And usually in a boxing match, you know, you'll take the first round to figure them out a little bit. You can't do that. I found that out in my first fight. Uh, Anise, like all the guys from the tournament have been really good. Speaking to him yesterday, came out and just tried to take my head off with every punch with it for seconds. So it was really intense. It was really fast. Um, I think one of the commentators described it. He was like, for the for the neutral, it's described as extra time um, for like football fans. So in terms of like it's literally like last last last, last man standing basically in a way, last Course guns blazing literally because like, there's only three rounds, three minutes where a normal fight could be nine rounds or twelve rounds. Um, isn't yeah. it? Complete chaos. Um, everyone was trying to box, but it's just manic, really. Um, so we set we, we trained as in like. I'd do four hard round sparring. I'd have 20 minutes rest or just tick over a little bit. And then I'd go in and do either another four round sparring with somebody else or do like a bag session or a pad session, come out. Do you know what I mean? To try and emulate it a little bit, to try and replicate what we were doing with the like stop starting. Um, it was almost so like one, an Ironman match, basically, because you had to yeah. keep up the endurance, but with different people who were also fresh at the time as well. Uh, well, this is the thing. So we tried it, it was like half an hour to 20 minutes we were taking but then there were times so like the fight from my semi-final when I fought Sheldon um, I came out of the ring I had the interview and they were like right you need to go back as quick as you can because you've got seven minutes and you're on again so I'm like wow so I got into the back doctors didn't even have time to check me over fully what? Said, is everything all right? Does it, do you hurt are you okay checked all my face and stuff they still did like a really good job you know like can you feel your hands, everything good? Yep, yep, right, straight in the back, you're out, get everything on. So it was just like, and I know a lot of people saying, it's, you know, oh, if you'd have had more time, you'd have done better. Which is, I could have, but I think that adds to the excitement. That's part of that tournament, in it? So, you know, like he was more skilled, and but he had more time and it makes it more exciting. You don't know what's going to happen. Um, I, was, I was glad to be a part of it. Um, I exceeded everything I thought I would. I said before the tournament, if I could manage to get a big knockout and have a good account myself, you know, like prove that I can fight and dig deep and whatever. And people said, you know what? You didn't win if it comes to it, but you did really good. I'd be happy. Obviously, I wanted to win it and I went in there to win it. But I knew what I was up against. They were really experienced guys. And again, it happened. So the first round, I got a good knockdown. Second round, I managed to get a good knockout. And then the third round, Ellis, he was 11 and I think before the tournament and I was two. So I knew I was up against it already and he'd cruise through the tournament like he beat the other two guys easily. 
So I didn't get beat up badly. I gave a good fight, but I, I knew at the end of the thing, you know, after the fight, I knew I'd lost, but <clears throat> I was happy as well. I was yeah. happy. It's the, it's the fact that you got that semi-final uh, knockout as well, which is, I think it was against Sheldon McDonald as well. Um, yeah. Again, it was just one of those things that you said you exceeded your own expectations. You um, grew into the tournament, like you said, the best you, co- you could have done with the time that you had to recover and move forward as well. But um, if you were to have done that tournament again, again, if that was yeah. to have come about maybe five years earlier, if you were a bit younger, do you reckon it would have been a lot more suited to a younger version of yourself? Or was it just literally like the right time, right place for yourself? Because of how you've had your boxing journey. Yeah, I feel at the minute, like I know I've started boxing late, but I feel I'm at like the strongest and fittest that I've ever been, even before when I was younger. Um, I've took a lot of experiences from my sprint training into my boxing training, not necessarily like with the physical side, but it's like knowing my body. I know when to ease off training. I know when to have time off. I know what to eat. I know when to sleep now. Do you know what I mean? I'm more sensible and calculated with my training and what to do and when. Yeah. Um, so I feel like it's come at the right time. I maybe could have been a little bit fitter a few years back. Um, but I feel like uh, I don't think it would have had a much different outcome. Um, if I was to change anything, I think I would have gone about the final. I'd probably gone out a bit harder. Do you know what I mean? I would have tried to yeah. stick it on him a bit more, a little bit easier. Um, the tactics were just to, because we'd had three rounds and we knew we didn't have to fight again, take the first round a little bit easier, catch my breath because I'd only had seven minutes to try and box and move a little bit. Again, I can see why Ryan was saying that, but, um, and it was, I could see, if it, you know, if I had done it, pulled it off, it would have worked, but unfortunately it didn't. I would, so yeah, I'd probably just pressed a little bit earlier, a lot harder, but it is what it is. Definitely. And for anyone listening, Ryan Rhodes is um, Ricky's trainer, by the way. That's who you're referring to, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, Millie, what, what did we kind of learn from that in terms of literally that it doesn't really matter about your age when you're starting a new, a new not even sport, but a new challenge in, in yourself as well. And even for someone like yourself, Millie, who is, again, playing Blackburn Rovers football at the time of speaking as well in, in English football as well, is there anything you can kind of take away from that in terms of with your own self-development, your own kind of mentality in terms of the only excuses you can give are kind of just excuses from yourself. That's kind of what I learned from Ricky, the fact that he gave it, he gave it his all. He was happy with what he exceeded um, in the tournament as well. And at the end of the day, he made a lot of people in Sheffield very proud of himself, not just family and friends, but students. And again, I, I knew about him before, but I didn't know how well he could fight before this fight. So it was really good to see that as well. But, Millie, what did you kind of take away from what Ricky was just saying there? Yeah, I mean, exactly what you've just said, Hams. First of all, I thought you was going to give away my age then. I thought you were going to tell me I'm getting on a bit. (laughs) If I I give away your age, we have to cancel the podcast because I know for a fact people will just be there like, nah. By the way, you can find out Millie's age on on Google. She's a professional athlete, for goodness sake. Oh my God, don't do that. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. I don't have to say it, but no, carry on. Sorry, Millie. No, um, 100%. I think that the fact that Ricky, you've kind of changed your career. Like you've gone from sprinting to boxing, which is similar, but still different. And I think that the fact that you've done that at a later stage in what usual athletes do is really inspiring. Like I was listening to it and thinking, right, well, I can do this now because I'm still in the process of learning as well. 
like I'm still in the process of learning how my body works and how to like deal with training how to like I don't know eat properly and things like that and I will be learning until the end of my career probably but I think it's really um inspiring to that you can show that it is possible to do it and to still be at the top of your game at a later stage I think that's really important because I'm bringing it back to football again because I don't know it's my field and that and I know a lot of people within football within women's football let's say that are at a later stage in their career and we are thinking oh can we go a little bit more can we reach those stages can we reach the next level at the end of our career and yeah to be honest you can like Ricky you show it perfectly you can reach those stages and if you want to become elite if you want to stay at the top of your game it is possible and you've just shown that I mean I think it's brilliant what what you've done and what you are doing as well I think it's brilliant thank you very much thank you is there is there anything you do do uh, specifically for yourself that keeps you at the top of your game I know we've spoken a lot about different things like sleep this that and the other but is there something specifically that you do um not that I can think of really um I've always said it and my dad's always said it um one of them daft things but you're as old as you feel I've always Mm -hmm. said it well um if you look after yourself in the right way um don't listen to when people are saying you know you're too old I've had so many people say you know you're too old to do this you're too old to start boxing why do you know what I mean like I said I honestly feel like in different ways I could probably run faster and further when I sprinted or whatever but I feel fitter than I've ever felt Mm -hmm. um I'm pushing myself harder than I've ever pushed. And I feel like it is because I know I'm a lot smarter with how I'm doing things now and experience. Um, and this is one of the, the things that I do teach or try and teach the kids at the schools is, do you know, they're on there, they're saying they don't know what they're going to do. And, and I said, do you know, the amount of times you'll change, your career, not just in sport, like your career aspects and all that, it'll change massively. So you've got, I, I started boxing properly but at 28, 29. And mm-hmm. I said, these kids are 14 who I'm working with. I said, you've got your whole lives in front of you. If you want to try basketball and then you want to try music and then you want to, you just go for it. As long as you're putting in the work and you're giving it your everything, then why not? Um, yeah. But going back to what you were saying, not really, I can't think of anything that keeps me like tip top or anything. It's just more being sensible with what I do. You know, I do enjoy myself. I do eat junk food and I do have a drink and go out now and then, but it's knowing when to and when not to and being, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there were times where, so when I was at um, universities, when I was a sprinter as well, which I was only young, then I was 20, 21. So there were days where I'd, you know, I'd, be, I'd sacrifice it and not go out sometimes, but there were times where, we'd have a big drinking session and go out and whatever, and then I'd try and train the next day and wonder why I'd get injured or wonder why I'd be hurting. Um, so, yeah, it's just knowing when to or when not to and being sensible with your choices, I think. Yeah. I guess knowing what you want as well. You know you want to box. You know you want to compete at the top level. I think I know this- from what we've listened to, so to interrupt, I think it's the routine that you have. The fact that you are very disciplined with your routine and what you can do and what you will do during the week in camp or when you're not doing camp as well. I think that's a very underrated thing that you've got there, Ricky, in terms of having a very specific plan 
for your weeks when you are in camp and when you aren't in camp. I think that's very underrated in keeping discipline with your time. I think that's a very unique thing to have personally. Sorry, that was just my point of view from no, what I've listened no, no, to. I agree. I'll agree with that as well. Um, the routine is a big, big, big part of it. Um, I think, like you said, I think that does help. Um, and like you, you've just said then, it's knowing I want to box, knowing I've got a, a steady, stable job. I know when to train. I know when to work. Like it's all, it just works in sync now. Yeah. The, the best I've thing got... I can learn. Sorry, really. Go ahead. I was just going to say quickly, I've got a question for you just on that. What is a little bit of advice you would. Sorry, my daughter was crying just after. No all problem. Right. <laughs> no problem at all. <laughs> can you, have you paused it? Yeah, we're we're we're. Yeah, uh, Ricky, I just wanted to like follow on from that a little bit more. I wanted to ask you, just staying on the kind of subject of doing things later in life. What is one piece of advice you could give to someone who's a little bit later in life? Could be an athlete, could be a professional who's I don't know in a different kind of career in business, but who's wanting a change who's getting a little bit bored they're stable in their job but they feel like they're going through the motions they feel like they want that change what is one piece of advice you could give to someone like that um so for me I think it's just going on what I said earlier it's the you know if you know what you want to do if you have got something in mind fully go for it um so with me i um i originally started like my boxing journey as such just to keep fit um i was working at the school i'm at now but before i was a little bit overweight i was just hitting the weight sort of thing you know keeping fit in well just trying to get big and i went with a friend just to try and keep fit um and they said you know what you can be good at this um and it's having that set up around me. So I spoke to my partner. I said, you know, I want to have a go at boxing. What do you think? And she was supportive of it. So it's making sure you've got the right time, um, the right setup around you um, to, to go for it. I feel like if you have got that, why not? Um, I mean, if you are wanting to try something new, um, but you're not quite sure what, just go and have a look around, see what you could find. No, that's fantastic. It's really good to hear. And Ricky, we know you're busy. We know you've got um, you've got new company to deal with as well, which is good fun. So we'll leave you one uh, one last question, Ricky. And what does the future hold for Ricky Reeves, the boxer? And what can we expect from you in the next coming year or so? I think she'll be quiet for this bit. Um, the future for me, um, so. Originally, I set out to fight on a big platform when I want to win a central area title. Um, and I said, you know, I, I, I'm 31. I reckon I'll box for probably four or five more years, depending on how my body holds up and whatever. Um, and I thought that would come through boxing. There's no way that I'd ever thought that I'd be boxing on Sky um, two fights into my career. So I'm hoping this year to try and get a central area title shot or next year. And then after that, it's just pushing on to bigger things, you know, maybe push for an English title, 
um, fight on some more big platforms and we'll just see where they get to really, yeah. See what the future holds. The future is literally just in the palm of your hand as well, Ricky, the way that you're boxing, the way that we've seen you box as well, which has been great to see. And especially for the wider boxing audience to see you on Sky Sports has been such an inspiration for all those people who are out there, like Mili said, who want to change in their life or who want to follow their passion but aren't sure if they can do it because of the age. But the fact that you've been able to do that and not use the excuse that people are giving to you and you're actually taking it forward to show, you know what, I can do this because it doesn't matter about my age or what I've done previously in sport, it's worked perfectly for you. And literally, like I said, the, the world is in your the palm of your hand going forward as well. And hopefully this time next year, we'll be seeing you in like Wembley Stadium or Bramble Lane in Sheffield, in Sheffield as well. It'll be good to see you um, going forward. But we do know you're busy, Ricky. We do know you've got preoccupied time uh, with your daughter there as well. So we will let you leave. Um, but before we let you leave as well, um, we just want to say, um, next time we can do a podcast we'll do it in person as well we'll come to Sheffield and we'll meet, we'll meet you there as well sound good? yeah that sounds wicked sounds Fantastic. brilliant <laughs> anytime just give me a give me a shout drop me a message I'm up for it 100% talk, we'll talk more football next time as well because I know that's what you like definitely definitely. but no we'll let you go Ricky thank you very much for your time today. Thank, you very much. thank you very much Ricky Bye. take care Bye. thank you guys see ya see you later Bye. there we go and yeah, just to wrap up the podcast there, because his daughter did uh, try and take our attention away from Ricky as well, and she succeeded, which is good. I thought it was a really good podcast, Millie. What do you think? Brilliant, brilliant. I really enjoyed it. What a great guy. and What a really humble guy as well. He's I, just I, an ordinary guy. Yeah, literally. That's what I love about it, because we always talk about the ordinary person for the extraordinary um, story as well. But he was literally an ordinary person who thought, you know mm -hmm. what, I do want to be a bit extraordinary. I do want to do something different and he did and he actually gave us the title for the podcast a busy mind is a better mind and I was like that's such a killer line as well and it's Brilliant. not just again for sports people it's just for people who want to feel fulfilled in what they want to do going forward as well no excuse me but it's just one of those things that I thought was fantastic and hopefully I think we've got, we've got loads of contacts now in Sheffield on the beautiful mind game podcast as well so Sheffield's the place isn't it it's the place to be we're gonna have to set up a base there sometime soon as well to see everyone in person which would be which will be really good fun. Um, but no, Millie, uh, we'll wrap up the podcast here. It was fantastic to speak to you again. And it was really fantastic to get Ricky onto this podcast as well. And looking forward to hearing more from him when we meet him in person, hopefully, which will be good. But mm -hmm. any closing messages from yourself before we wrap up? Just thank you all for listening again. Um, really hope you're enjoying our series. Um, we're enjoying it, having the chance to meet all these brilliant people. So yeah, come along for the journey. Find us on our socials at The Beautiful Mind Game at Friday Night Counter-Attack. Um, find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, wherever you want. Follow us and give us a share as well. Share with your friends. Why not? Why not? Um, no, you could, it could benefit someone without them even knowing as well. That's what exactly. we've learned on this podcasting journey, which has been fantastic. But Millie, thank you very much for your time. Big thank you to Ricky Rees for joining us once again. Uh, hopefully you'll be listening to this part of the podcast um, once, once, once he drops off as well. But Hopefully the next time we're on a podcast, my hay fever has recovered and I'm a, a lot more enthusiastic than I normally am as well. But what a fantastic podcast it was. Everyone, thank you very much for listening. Take care and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>